0: blog talk radio
1: eternal life God we pray oh God today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you Lord bind the hand of the devil God rebuke the hand of the enemy Lord God let your anointing that resonates in this place even now God let there be an outpouring on your people we need you God to take us to another level in you Lord God we're faced with demonic forces God Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord, but we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit lord uh, where the devil have come into war against them lord uh, but we thank you god because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world god uh, we know god that you are a deliverer lord uh, that you're the same yesterday today and forever uh, and you know short of your promise lord uh, and you're able to deliver us lord uh, touch us on today lord uh, we need you like never before uh, fill up up with the Holy Ghost God uh, and give us a refilling Lord uh, that when we leave here today Lord uh, we can leave with your anointing Lord uh, that as we meet men and women boys and girls uh, they might be converted to know who you are Lord uh, in the mighty name of Jesus we pray uh, we thank you because you are healer uh, you're the God that healeth thee and healing is in your wings uh, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies uh, you're able to save our troubled souls uh, and in the name of jesus bind every demon lord every demonic force lord god that comes to keep us in the same place lord we're willing god to surrender and say yes to your will lord we're willing to turn our lives god over into your hands lord because we come to the place god where we realize like never before we need you jesus more than anything we know we need you jesus while men are trying to find God uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God. Uh, we're looking to you, Lord. Uh, because we know for every right desire uh, there is an answer. Uh, and Jesus sure that answer. Uh, there's no need for us, God, uh, to turn hither or thither, Lord. Uh, we need but to look for you, Lord. Uh, because you're the answer, God. Uh, for our trouble lies, Lord. Uh, touch on the day, God. Uh, break every yoke, oh, God. Uh, save on the day, God. Uh, Deliver on the day, God, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around, Jesus. No other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, uh, to deliver our children. Uh, you're able, Jesus, uh, to save the unsaved husband. Uh, you're able, Jesus, uh, to heal the cancer patient. Uh, nothing too hard uh, for you, Jesus, uh, No that God we know. Uh, we know that you're able, Jesus. Uh, we know that you're able, Jesus. Uh, we say yes to your will, God. Uh, yes to your way, Lord. Uh, have your way, Jesus, uh, and we'll thank you for it, uh, and we'll give your name the praise and we'll bless you Lord. Yes, we thank you Lord and we bless your holy name. Come on open your mouth and give the Lord some praise.
2: Did you know that whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life? Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths To keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put god first in our lives as we discuss these nine truths i pray that each one will resonate deeply within you guiding your path closer to god's heart remember a life centered around god is not just rewarding it's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life number one understand the ultimate priority Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top by aligning ourselves with God's purpose. Our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you. But my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise. Because I've felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path, and we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly. But Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first. We're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us in chapter 20, verse three, you shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols. So this doesn't apply to me, but let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take his rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this. In chapter three, verses five to six, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life, where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give Him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in His presence. And as we do... Our priorities naturally find their rightful order. With God at the center. Number five. The joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise? The world offers pleasures. Yes but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, Life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see Him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God. Not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from his throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability, like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm, neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number 8. Understand life's true purpose. Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling, by honoring God and following His commandments? We align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life then isn't just about living, it's about thriving, it's about making a difference, touching lives and leaving a legacy of faith, hope and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number nine, know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel's, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible... There lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life, and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance. And always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, We move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent. And those challenges we encounter, they evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life, and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice... Let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, everlasting Father, Almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses, as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare, in the name of Jesus, that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community. And we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you in the name of Jesus. You can help us to reach more persons.
0: Hallelujah. We thank God this morning for another Thursday morning. I gotta make sure y'all, y'all know so much going on in the run of a day. Thursday morning we thank him for this day. Uh, This is a day we never saw this day before. This is brand new to us and we are grateful unto him, almighty God. Yeah, and we thank him that over and over again, he give us the opportunity to come before him, to get things straightened out with him, and to be prepared for when he return. And so we're thankful unto him this morning, and uh, we want to remember to keep our mind on him, because it's him that keeps us in perfect peace when we keep our mind on him. Hallelujah. God is good. Today, I was. Uh, exploring some things uh, over on Facebook, looking, and I saw this uh, picture of back in the day they call it uh, of black people and they was well-dressed. They were out shopping and uh, I think they were about to take a trip somewhere. You know, you have your suitcase and everything. And these people were really dressed. And I looked at that and I look at the dress code of today. And many times uh, people say, it's your thing, do what you want to do. And back in the day a lot of people, they just wasn't dressing to impress. They were dressing because they felt this was the way for you to go out your door, for you to travel on a train or bus, uh, for you to go to work. You was nice and neat and clean. Now, this wasn't the way you were uh, going out. You was considered a hobo. Today, they call them trances. They call them homeless. But back in the day, they were called hobos. Women who wore tight clothes and uh, they, you know, had skimpy clothes on, real short stuff. Uh, red lipstick, you know, they have updoed a certain way. And <laughs> they were considered women of the evening, which is a prostitute. So, back during those days, and, and back during those days, black people were called negroes. So, you did the very best that you could uh, to try and show that You were clothed in your right mind. You wasn't crazy. You wasn't mean. You wasn't evil. You know, you didn't want to hurt nobody because they had all of this on black people that we were evil and mean and crazy and all kind of stuff. And we had to be strong back then. I come up in the era when there was a white toilet and a black toilet. A white water fountain and a black water fountain. But it was said Negro. It didn't say black. Uh, I come up during the era where you went in the back door to eat at a restaurant. Or whites on this side and blacks on that side. You know, as time was progressing on. Uh, We didn't vote. That hadn't really come into full play yet there were a lot of things that was withheld from us and some things we really didn't understand because we wasn't from America. We were, our ancestors, well, our, yeah, four parents was from Africa and they come over as slaves. So they didn't get the real gist of everything and the understanding of everything, how this go and how that go in this country. So they would call us uh, ignorant, the N-word, and all kind of stuff. You went to work, and you went to work without rights. You went to work with whatever the boss said was a law. It could be evil. It could be a lie. It could be wrong. But if that's what the white man said, then you was out of gas. So that was a part of the dress of the culture, too, to show we were civilized. Um, Two places, again, poverty or racism could quickly destroy you if you wasn't strong and someone had not taught you uh, what needed to be done. The day that Rosa Parks got on the bus and refused to move, God blessed her. Because during that era, that's not what you did to live. They would kill you, hang you, whatever they felt, burn you, castrate the men, all kind of craziness. Because they didn't feel we were human. <laughs> because of this dull, beautiful, chocolate skin. <laughs> and and many more things in there. But listen, um, today... We see a different dress code. We, we, we see a different mind setting of African American people or black people as we're called. Yeah. So we take in the Nike word approach. Just do it. Just do it when it comes to doing what is right. No excuses today. The real problem It's this, people were different back then. The reason to be strong was different. Again, poverty and racism could take you out quick. So when I look today and I I check things out, I went to the uh, University of Phoenix and I was taught some things about mental health, some strong points. So when I look out today and I see the way the people behave and the way that people dress and all the tattoos and the piercings and the this and the that, that didn't start this way. So today we would see it as abnormal. Now those of us that are not dealing with mental health issues. To us, it's abnormal. We don't have a piercing, we don't have tattoos, Not we don't have colored hair, none of this stuff. So what are most colored we did, is we might dyed it blonde, we may have dyed it black, blue black, jet black, white, you know, gray, so that our gray, you know, look fresh. But it wasn't all these other colors. So, look, many times people have gone through in their childhood. Now, we, many of us went through in our childhood. I didn't, per se, because I had good parents who protected me. But there were many who was unprotected, and it wasn't unprotected on purpose. But the parent had to go to work, or the parents had to go to work, so they left you with a neighbor, they left you with a relative. Nobody watching over you. They're just making sure that you're not getting hit by a car or you get three meals and a snack. uh, You can watch a little TV or go outside and play. Nobody's really watching over you. So something happened to you in your childhood. Back then, I don't care what happened to you, you had to be strong and endure it. Today, people are different. They can't Deal. Children go to school and act out. Because the mental health has been passed down from the parents to the child. I'm telling you the truth today. People are today, and this is not a bad thing that I'm just saying to be nasty against people. No, that's not what it is. It is just the truth. Today, many people are much weaker than the people that was back then who had to be strong, who had to pick cotton, who had to cut a pick or whatever they do to tobacco, and many other agricultural things. Today, you put many of these people out there and say, go pick cotton. Even if you told them, if you don't bring me 800 pounds today, I'm going to whip you and crack the whip so they could hear what they'll get. Many wouldn't bring 800 pounds in there. Some wouldn't even bring 10 pounds. They're not built, they're not strong enough, I'm going to put it that way. It's a different breed of people. And from childhood, you wasn't taught. To be strong because of what you endure i I can remember things appearing to be quiet then all of a sudden, you hear about all of the black men getting killed, the young boys getting killed many times by the police and all kind of stuff. but listen, as that was happening. And today, a lot more is happening, and we try and share with the younger generation how this thing is really playing out. They, they don't see it like that. See, back in our day, you could tell us that, and, and we would humble down. And when the man you work for, a woman you work for, ask you something, you said yes, ma'am, or, or no, ma'am. Yes, sir, or no, sir. But they just said yes to you and no to you, are you of their uncle or auntie? That's what they call you. You are not related. <laughs> not by no type of blood. And then in some cases, you may have been related through biological blood because your mom or grandmama or great-grandmama was raped. Yeah. By the white man that felt he was over them. So, when we hear about all of the killings of the black men, black young men, stuff like that, many times we spoke out, but it it, it made no difference in a way. But then as we continued, continued, people like uh, Malcolm come along, Martin Luther King come, Edgar, all of these people come along, and they got a big platform. And Malcolm in the Nation of Islam, they had trained the brothers, trained the black men how to behave, how to carry themselves. Their behavior was real important, how they behaved. And so it wasn't a part of impressing a uh, noun, the white man, or to show the white. No, it was for our culture. It was so that we could remember who we were and what we stood for. We stood for what was right. And many times it was told to us, oh, no, if they let y'all get in a place, y'all will do uh, them like they did us, no ma'am and no sir. Evil like that is not in our DNA. Uh-uh. We can't speak for everybody, but we can speak for the majority, and that would not be it. Because as you can see, we can invite you over for dinner, have a good time, make sure you leave there safe. We we have a cookout, what they call a barbecue. You come over, eat good. The music is crazy. Some of it you never heard before. Somebody's explaining it to you. Now, you could be white, you could be Asian, you could be Hispanic, you could be anything. What they will do is explain things to you. Even different dances. So this is just our little part of black history. So when you see people with their pants hanging down, you see people with, I mean, just too many tattoos, you see people with all of the piercings. You see the different hair colors. The clothes is just, just know this It's a different era. And not only that, mental health plays a large part. And even the people that are saying, oh, it's your thing, you can do it. Don't worry about what people think. Mental health is a big part. Nobody taught. The main thing for children is to be trained. Nobody trained nobody. Right from wrong, up or down, left or right, over or under. Nobody trained. Because the parent wasn't trained, so the parent could only give so much, do so much. Then sometimes parents have mental health issues. So who trained the children? The streets? T V? Because we, we big and that men are big and what the T V is doing. What they see other people doing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all these places, they follow the trends. I'm I'm just not a trendy person. I just wear what I like. I buy what I like. Now if it just happened to be trending, and this is just what I like, okay. But for the most part, I'm not looking for fashion. I don't wear makeup because I got a face and I don't have to make it up. I was born with one. I was born with eyes, lips, eyebrows, lashes, the bottom lash, the top lash, lids, lips, teeth, tongue, nose, chin, jaw. I was born with all of that. So I may not be beautiful like Jezebel presented herself. But I am who I am. <laughs> I'm I'm a human being. I, if you look on my birth certificate, it would say female. I was born a female. So I just let me be the way God made me. I never had really operations and all of these different, I, I, I never broke a bone. Uh God has blessed me. And I want to keep this thing like he gave it to me. Yeah. So I just want to share that a little bit because man fell from God. This, this is what uh started all of this. Man fell away from God. When we look back in the book of Genesis, which we will today, we're looking at Genesis 6, 1 through 7. Man fell. When we look at Adam and Eve, they separated everything. Mm -hmm. Because they just could not resist temptation. Today, that's what we need to do. Resist temptation yeah, resist it we're taking that Nike word well, Nike words we're taking that approach today just do it just do what's right just turn your back on evil you've been born again you're not in abundance you can make a choice and stick with your choice But many times we don't want to do that. It's our thing. We want to do what the flesh, what a natural man, or woman want to do. But we went to God and asked him to make us over, and he did. He gave us a brand new mind. We became new creatures. We don't have to have mental health if we let him save us, sanctify us, and fill us with his spirit. If you don't understand that, then you pray, Lord, I need you. I need you to give me the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Give it to me. And Lord, give me the spirit ears to hear and the mind to obey when the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Strengthen me in you. Teach me your word, the way you want me to apply to my everyday life. Because some things are hereditary. Some things have been passed down from generation to generation. (coughs) Excuse me. Goodness. while drinking coffee. So look, you would have some problems too if you saw your grandmama hang. If you saw your granddaddy set on fire. Your children was taken from you and sold. You you would have, oh boy. And this come on down through the generations sometimes people tried to hide what their families had gone through. But if you was African American, we all went through something. (coughs) Each of our foreparents, our family back then, all of them went through something. If you hear somebody brought you from Africa, your your great-great-great-grandparents, somebody back then brought from Africa. Many of us, we didn't know who all our our relatives was because we were sold into slavery. We left home. We was taken from home and sold into slavery. But when I look out today at the African-American culture, many times it caused me to say, if my people, again this morning, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive the sins, and hear the land. Yeah. And it's already all right today in Jesus' name. But we're back to the topic. Man fell from God. That's the key thing. And when we go over in Genesis chapter 6, and we looking at verses 1-7 through let's say Genesis chapter 6 starting at verse 1 and we may stop at verse 7 but we may find 8 we may go to 8 and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair And they took them wives of all which they chose. The sons of God, it says. Verse 3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, but that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. God acknowledged that we operate more in the natural than anything. That natural woman, that natural man wants to be pleased. And many times, if it takes evil to please it, that's what they'll do. I was watching a movie last night. I can't remember it right off hand, but it had Sister basic in it. And I forgot the name of the other man, one of the main characters, but look. oh, I think through high school, they were together. She was his girlfriend. Well, it was time to go to college. He went his separate way, she went her separate way. She became a, a photographer. She said she was an airline stewardess at one time. You know, a flight attendant. Back then it was called stewardess. Well... Years later, uh, she decided to come home after going to Vietnam, taking pictures and all of this of the war, and she was here, there, and everywhere. Decided to come home on a vacation. Well, her dad talked her into doing a boat race because they lived on the beach. And as it ended up, they won the race, but while he was out racing, she saw the old boyfriend, and he had a little boy with him. Well, a young man with him. His son, so she knew she had saw him. He crashed his boat when he realized it was her. well, as it all went on and played out and everything, she ended up uh going to his house for dinner, meeting his wife, meeting his son, and at the end of the night, the wife saw how fidgety he was and that he really didn't want to leave her. you know, so the wife's all gone and walk her home. So they walking down the beach, she acting like she don't want him to walk up when all the time she want him to walk up, married. So some things transpired and they fooled around and all of that. And then the wife had a conversation with him. He knew it was wrong. And when the son found out he was, because she got him a job with her as a writer and she was a photographer, but I think it was the New York Times. And when he had to say goodbye to his son, the son, cried and ran off. His wife was hurt, and he tried to console the wife a little bit, but she wasn't having it. So he was supposed to meet the girlfriend at the uh, airport, and they fly out together to go do a story together, so-called. But the wife told him, you just want to be with her so you can lay with her in Paris and all of these other places. you gone. Excuse me. So when he got to the airport, um, she got to see he was sad and he wasn't going. That's the bottom line. So he didn't leave his family. But my thought on everything is this. Don't do it. Get yourself together. Like you get up in the morning, you desire to get up and get your day started. Desire to do what's right. God made a way. He, he He made a way to redeem us back to him. But it's our choice. He's, he's not going to force us back. Whosoever we are, let him come. Yeah. So today, just do it. Stop contemplating putting it all. I'm going to stop this. I'm, no, just do it. So in verse 3 it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, uh, but that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Today we don't have 120 years. We have around 75. People are living longer, but not everybody. Verse 4 says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, of God came in unto the daughters of men. And they bare children to them. The same became mighty men and were of old men of renown. Now, when I'm thinking of sons of God, I, I, I had to consider angels. Because when these children were born, they were huge. They were giants, it appeared, taller in stature than any other man. But that's not what God told them to do. He didn't tell the sons of man to come to the earth and lay with the daughters of men. That's not what... Uh-uh. So they fell away from God. Same thing happening today. Because many have fallen away. They didn't have a sound mind so they could teach their children. Many went to crack cocaine. Many went to Haran. Many went to this other stuff of... Uh, uh, It's another known, <laughs> that's what I can say. They went to all of that. They even found ways to make the stuff. Some went to cocaine, powder. Uh, uh, some went to alcohol, many different things. Because they didn't go to God, because they didn't think he was worth it at the time. It was better. I try to work my stuff out. Now, after they tried to work their stuff out, same thing here, I'm raising my right hand because I'm guilty. After they found out they couldn't work it out and they made it a bigger mess than it really was, then we decided to give God a try. God had been knocking on the door for years, but we couldn't hear the knock. Because we was drowning the knockout with our own fleshly stuff, our own natural thoughts. Our very own natural feelings. We we were drowning that out. I, no, I'm going to do this right here. And when many end up, they end up messed up. Yeah. But one thing about him, he's a forgiving, loving, gracious kind and mercy for God. And no matter what, he forgive us. You can't do nothing so bad other than kill yourself that God won't forgive you for. The only reason you won't get forgiveness for self-murder, suicide, you can't speak, you're dead. You can't ask for forgiveness and you're dead. Yeah. So, we're praying today that the Lord will continue to accept our offering of repentance. Lord, forgive me, because some days we're thinking and things come back to us that we did a long time ago that, you know, we, we had forgotten this. We ask him to forgive us for all our sins. Lord, every sin I've ever committed, forgive me. But then some days we remember, because he won't remember it no more. We remember it. Me, when I remember it, I go right back to him. I say, Lord, forgive me for that. And help me to forgive me for it. Yeah, because many times we ask God to forgive us, but we don't forgive ourselves. And we keep holding on to it. We got to learn to let go. And we're still talking this morning about just do it. Yeah, we're still talking about that. So, verse 5 says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Look at this. the away. That the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, and it continued, it stayed, it never stopped. Today, without God, we can't do nothing. He's keeping all of us. If it was not for him, we'd kill each other up, rob each other, or it would just be... Crazy, Because every imagination Of the thoughts of his heart Is only evil Continually So today that's why You see a lot of what you see You don't really see Genuine like you used to And even back then, everybody wasn't genuine. Like today, some people was doing what they did to get what they want. Verse six says, "And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart." God repented. God grieved in his heart, because a man. Do we remember John three sixteen? for God so loved the world? He loved us, he loved us, and he made us for his pleasure. And we know that he's holy. We know that he's righteous. We know that he's for the right thing. That's why many things we do when we know is wrong, we hide it. That which we know is good and right, we do it out front. When a man gets married, he can get married before the world. Once the woman agreed, they can get married before the whole world. But if they sneaking around, they don't keep that a secret as as much as possible. Why? Because they know that they are wrong. When folks are lying, they they don't they don't want you to get a cosigner because there is no cosigner unless the cosigner come and tell the truth. Just do it. Just do right by God. Stop. Being selfish, because that's what we are. Let's stop. We can stop it because he gave us his spirit. He set us free. We're no longer in bondage to sin again this morning. Listen, we shouldn't be so selfish. God was willing to suffer and die for us. We're not even willing to hear about it. I don't want to talk about him too long. And if you put God's stuff out there, not many people are going to come in on it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. God was sorry that he made man, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast. And the creeping thing. And the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I have made them. He's wiping us out of here. All of us. He's getting rid of us. And verse 7. He said he was saving nobody. He said I would destroy. And he named everything that he was going to get rid of. But look at God. Verse 8. Look at him now. He was ready to get rid of everything, destroy it all, what he made. And when he looked at it, after he made it, it was good. And he loved man. And he made man for his pleasure. It pleased him to make us. And he knew that man could please him. But then he got to see the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart Was only evil continually So once he saw that I got to get rid of this stuff God is holy He's righteous He don't want to be seeing all of this For his eyes are in every place He's beholding the evil and the good So 8 says But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord Noah, one man Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of the Lord It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord We're going down, y'all I was going to stop at six or seven But these are the generations of Noah Noah was a just man And perfect in his generation And Noah walked with God The times back then are no different than now I mean, in more modern days, but there's nothing new under the sun. Adultery was going on back there. Rape was going on back there. Pedifying was going on back there. Stealing was going on back there. Drug and alcohol, all of that was going on back there. It may not have been called the same things, and it may not have been done in the same way. But it was there, and people was doing it. Yeah, when it came to trickery and all of that was back there. It says, and perfect in his generation and no walk with God. Sometimes we got to be the only one in the family who will stand up for Jesus. Sometimes we got to be the only one in the family who stands for what's right. Sometimes we have to separate ourselves even from family and friends and coworkers and a company that work. We have to separate because we're for what's right. I can't do this knowing I'm hurting people. I can't do this knowing I'm lying to the public, to the consumer. I'm telling them it'll do this when it'll do that. So sometimes we're the only ones. So Verse 10 says, Noah begot three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Look at this. Didn't I tell you? Huh? If it wasn't for God, we will be killing each other. Oh, it'll be blood running down the street. Verse 12 says, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Whatever wrong you did, whatever evil you wanted to do, you brought it in here and and, and put it where everybody else put there, upon the earth. If I'm a murderer, I'm killing. If I'm a molester, I'm molesting. If I'm a rapist, I'm raping. If I'm an alcoholic, I'm drinking. If I'm a drug abuser, I'm I'm drugging. If I'm a prostitution, I'm walking. Whatever evil you do, your flesh wanted to do, you brought it upon the earth. You, You brought it with everybody else. You might not have been doing it at the same place and the same time as everybody else, but it was there. You got there when you got it there. Dogs fighting, animal abuse, all, all kind of stuff. Child abuse, women abuse, men abuse, all, all kind of stuff. I believe Walmart has been so abused, they just let go. And they started saying, "Now I'm not going to be this kind of Walmart to these people no more because they take advantage of us. We, we put it in here because they couldn't afford to pay straight up for what they wanted for their children for Christmas. So we're going to give them a layaway. They started using layaway as a bank account. I'm saving so much money and then a few, 10 days or so before, it's time for me to get it out give me my money back. What? It's so much stuff going on in this earth child killing murders the woman just sunday i think it was last sunday over at lakewood church i think joel osteen was it was a man uh, uh portraying to be a woman went in now with the sun, shot the church up well was shot in there over fire shot a man in the leg shot the son in the head went in looking and acting like a woman Ended up, the DNA said he was a man and had a man name and all. Oh, it was just some, some stuff over there. Had nothing to do as far as I can tell with Joel Osteen, you know, what he was teaching or preaching over there. That didn't have nothing to do with him. I hope not. But they said in there, somebody seen a receipt with a woman, uh, a, a man or whatever it was, had donated money over the, to the church what's called a church, or whatever. But this is what I know. The world has become wickeder and wiser. And so the more we hear about this stuff, it's it's not shocking to us anymore. The true believer, the saints of God, it's not shocking. We know that every imaginable evil that man can do in the earth, he's doing it. God had to; He was going to destroy him. But Noah was going to get rid of man. We wouldn't would not have been here. Yeah. Twelve says, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Thirteen says, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them And behold, I will destroy them with the earth Remember, he called, Jesus called us friends And he let us know he's a friend that that's closer than a brother Had God not befriended Noah, he wouldn't have told him If God had not loved Noah, he never would have told him And Noah could have been in the mix, too. Noah could have went on in the flood. Him and his eight family members. But God loves us. He's more than a fair God. He's more than kind and gracious and merciful and loving. So he told Noah that the end of all flesh has come before me. I'm thinking about it. I'm going to do it. 14 says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Because he was going to save Noah and his family members. He's having Noah to put something together that's going to save them. He had Jesus to come and suffer for us to save us. We can be saved if we choose to. Now, all of this that I'm sharing this morning, I don't want you to think, oh, it skipped over her. She's perfect. No, 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 no. This is for all of the believers and all our families. We all have gone through something. We all have done bad things. Nobody excluded, especially me. Some days I feel like what Apostle Paul said, he said he should have been the least because of what he had done. So he's teaching Noah, uh, uh, giving the instructions to Noah how to build an ark. 15 said, and this is the fashion which thou shall make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. And a window shall thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shall thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shall thou set in in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shall thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. Do you hear me? This coming up again. He didn't do it. He did it then. He did it back then, but he's not through. Because next time it's going to be by fire. And he won't destroy everybody just like he did here. He didn't destroy Noah and his family, but the rest of them, they had to go because they wasn't going to walk up right before God. Every imaginable evil that they can do, they was doing it. And it was not going to stop because it was going to be continually. Yeah. 18 says, but with thee I will establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark. Thou and thy sons and thy wives and thy sons' wives with thee. Look at God. Somebody tell him thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He said, but with thee, Noah, I'm going to establish my covenant. I shall come into the ark. I'm going to let you Your sons, your wife, and your son wives. I'm going to protect y'all. I'm going to save y'all. I'm going to let you come into the ark. 19 says, and of every living thing of all flesh. Look what he did for us. Two of every salt shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. 20 says, of the fowls after their kind, and of the cattle after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive, and take unto unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So did he. He obeyed God. He and his family were spared. How were they spared, Baba? They obeyed. He obeyed God. One man. So if there's no need for people, people to tell me, I don't go to church because see them church people, all they want is this and that. One person got saved. So if you can see everything like that and condemn everybody and everything, you stand up for God. You be the one, the only one. Go ahead. The scripture says we all have sinned and come short. When you hear me talking about these jackleg preachers, uh, 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 these religious pimps, and all of this, let me tell y'all something. It's not just to down these folks. I pray for them kind. But it's best you get the truth out. Tell the truth. If you're gonna tell it, tell the whole truth. Men are just after your purse to the wallet. But over at the house of prayer, they're after your soul. I don't care how many years you've been preaching. When somebody in their see or evil spirit on you or coming your way, they pray for you. They call you out. They tell you about it. Because we don't see everything now. Come on. Because sometimes we... As believers, the saints of God, we get caught up into this world, too. We're trying to provide for our household. And our enemy is kicking up a ruckus. He's is bringing flood after flood after flood. Each time when he brings a flood, you remember it's God that raised a standard. And you trust him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And all your ways you acknowledge him, he directs your path. You don't be wise in your own eyes. You feel God and depart from evil. You delight yourself in him. You keep your mind on him. But the floods come because it's the enemy's job to steal, kill, and destroy. And when God asked him what he was doing, where he was going, what was going on with him, he said he was going to and fro. He was seeking whom he may devise. At one point, God said, "Have you considered my servant Job?" Uh, I know Satan looked and said, "Oh no, I hadn't, but I will." And God let him know, "Go ahead, but don't you touch him like that. Don't you, don't you try to take his life now, because our lives belong to God." Hallelujah. Look at here, believer. Your life should be hid in Christ Jesus. Can no devil take it? especially you standing for God. We love him this morning. And anything we have not been doing that's correct or pleasing and acceptable unto him, we repent. We ask him to forgive us over and over and over. I can't repent enough, I'm telling you. Before going to sleep at night, I want to repent. But let me tell you something. It's so easy for me to fall asleep and sleep I'm just looking. Sometimes I may be looking at a movie, because y'all know I pick my own movies. I can't be with all this other stuff. But anyway, uh, I'm watching the movie. When I wake up, the movie going on and it's on YouTube Put God First. Uh, It's over there and it's playing the prayers that I like. I don't tell like I I ain't prayed, I ain't repent I, I just felt like I can sleep. Somebody said, Well how I guess they put it on those channels for me at night 'cause that's what I sleep with. I sleep with prayer and the word going most nights. I've been doing that a long time now. And and and, and sometimes for a long time before now I would only play movies that's beneficial <laughs> to the soul, to the things of God. I leave the house, go do what I got to do and come back. That's been planned the whole time. Sometimes I used to leave it on the scriptures playing. Yeah, faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. He said, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Somebody said she craves over there because the squirrels, they could hear. The raccoons or whatever be out there flipping around in the back. They hear. Yeah. So we basically keep the house covered too. Because where I am, I want it to be anointed. Where I am, I want the Spirit of God. And almighty God himself, Jehovah, to be able to just come in. I don't even have to call on him. He just come and see about me. I, I don't have to call him. He just come and just spend time at my place. I like all that kind of carrying on. Yeah. He's faithful. He loves us. He made us for his pleasure. But many days, I'm raising my right hand. I'm guilty. Many days we forget and we take the natural journey. We start doing what the natural people feel we need to do. We go to work, we work hard, we come home, we go shopping, we this, we that. Yeah, I'm trying to cut back on all of that. Especially all the shopping and now. Now he has blessed me, oh my goodness. I was thinking the other day, clean the closets out and get rid of a lot. Make it easy for yourself so when you get ready to transition to your log cabin, you don't have much to take. But all this stuff you done accumulated. Coming in here, I said, oh, I don't never want to have this much stuff no more. And I didn't bring a, a, a barely anything from the old apartment but so that was apartment stuff and I'm moving into a house. I wanted housing stuff. <laughs> and that was a task. Yeah. So now that I don't accumulate I'm going to get it out of here. Don't you worry. Yeah, I'm going to do a big donation to the Salvation Army. Oh, yeah, and next year going to bless mightily. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I wanted to Share this this morning, and uh, I wanted to talk about this this morning. And if you have something you would like to say concerning this, feel free to press that number one and come in. Even if you want to talk about black history or what I said that went on back in the day, you might have something to say on uh, a mental health, whatever, feel free long as you respect them, we don't have no problems Yeah, We're not going to do the Bible quiz today because I didn't put them in yesterday, and I want to make this announcement. I won't be here tomorrow because I'll be down at Bushnell uh, doing Brother Louis' final home going, well, his home going ceremony. So I'll be down there with Sherry and his family and praying and everything and um, talking of the good times so of Brother Louie and Sister Sherry. So y'all pray for us, pray for us, and pray for uh, Stephen, that's Brother Louie's son, and Mr. Mason, and uh, pray for the granddaughter. We just praying for the family, Kimmy. We praying for the family, period. Because in this hour, that family needs strength. God let it went on for a while to get them. Uh, hopefully to a stronger place but still we all miss Louie and we all will continue to miss him and uh, I'm sure he was a a, a bright light in all our lives that knew him and so it's on the right I go to I'm the only pastor he knew (laughs) he considered me his pastor when I found that out he gave me great pleasure I said look at Louis." Hey, glory! Hallelujah, Jesus! Thank you. Lord. Mm. I thank God for the time that I got to spend with Him and Sherry. Uh, I thank God for each morning I could talk to Him when He was in the chat room, and I would fool with Him many days because when I would say donuts, <laughs> he would say, "We love donuts, yeah." And uh, we're not police officers, but we love donuts. So a lot of good times. God blessed me uh, for almost 14 years to be Louis' sister in Christ and uh, Sherry's sister in Christ. And it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, some days I, I just feel the spirit of the Lord moving because of what he did. Not what Louis done or I done or Sherry did, but because of what God did. And so we're thankful unto him. Sherry, he me he call her. Lad. She was more of a sit back, quiet, observing person. She didn't do a whole lot of talking. Beautiful still is to this day. I'm talking about a really pretty lady. Yeah, Louis chose well. Now <laughs> he chose well, and uh, she's quiet and she don't have much to say, but she's watching. And uh, she carried herself like a lady. Yeah. And uh, whatever Louis accepted, Sherry accepted it. Yeah. Because she trusts her husband. Beautiful. And he was her brother in Christ as well. Yeah. And so we thank God this morning. We thank God for that whole family. Yeah. Louis and Sherry. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can't say it enough. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to serve them and to be in their presence and to get to know them. God, I thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, the studio is open. Feel free to press that number one and come in. We're going to our next uh, request of the morning. Sion sent me this a while back, and uh, every now and then people still requesting it too. everybody rocking, come on If the Lord don't do nothing else how many can say he'd have truly done enough Paul said he don't treat me like my sins deserve how many of you know that's enough right there he's been better than good even when I went good to him he's always been good and faithful to me ain't it good to
4: have his favor? If you never do Another thing
0: because he has been so good to us. Made ways where I couldn't even see a way. Opened doors. I didn't even know it was a door there along that it was closed. Yeah, he was on my side in spite of me. Yeah, he was for me and therefore he was more than the whole world against me. When those that was in the world come after me because he was for me, he took care of me. I didn't have to say a word. I didn't have to move a foot. I didn't have to do a thing. Yeah. Vengeance was his. And he did what he said he would do. What he said he would do. I was just telling him this morning, "Uh, uh, uh, Father, you supply me. And you supplied mine and helped me to accept mm, what you supplied. Because sometimes God will give us what we need, but we don't like it. We don't want that. I don't like that right now. I don't like the way you gave me that without even saying anything. But the very intentions, the very thoughts, yeah, he know, And so he hid. I don't know what. I wish I didn't have to deal with this. But it's what you need. sometimes it's even people can't lie Ooh, why Lord why you sent them why you couldn't send somebody else because they were the one that he supplied the need to tell him thank you repent and be godly sorry for thinking crazy because that's what I, I was thinking Lord you bless me you supplied what I needed, and I'm thinking, crazy? Forgive me for that, Lord. Help me not to do that. But Lord, help me to accept what you allow. And I want to be grateful to you for it. Not that you gave it to me, and I ignored. You gave it to me, and I'm trying to push it away. What? What is wrong with you? Yeah. But we do God give us this kind of husband? No, that ain't what we want. We want that kind of husband. Mm-hmm. We don't want the strong man. We want the weak man that I can tell him, shut up. Get that garbage out. What? We don't want the man that humbly comes. He take the garbage out. We don't have to say a thing. He keep the yard up. We don't have to say a thing. He see you with the wrong outfit on. He share, uh, baby, that that that's not the right outfit for you today. We might need to go and look at another top, or bottom, or whatever he's feeling. We don't like all of that. We won't just go out looking crazy to represent him. He said, uh-uh, no, he ain't going out in that to represent me. Uh, Baby, please pull that off. He said, kind of. Mhm. And then when it appears that you're crazy, he just going to ta- say, hey, go ahead and take that off now. I asked you nicely. Because the next go round, I'm not going to rough you up, but I'm going to take that off you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I'm still the man of God. And I'm still upright in God's eyesight. Because that's not the coming of the woman of God. And I ask you nicely, God gave me to you and gave you to me. We belong to each other. Uh-huh. So now you can scream out there, oh, he abused me. Ain't nobody abuse you. I ask you to pull the foolishness off. <laughs> Yeah. And see, certain things we don't like. And now sometimes it is because of what took place in our childhood. Certain things that remind us back there, that's why God didn't give us certain people to be in our lives, because we go backwards. And anything subject to trigger that, because we really haven't been delivered and we haven't been healed. That's why before we go to another relationship, we need to sure enough stand before God and ask him to heal us of past things. Because if not everything that appears like that is going to affect our mind in some kind of way. We're going to run from it something because we can't stand it. I had to be healed uh huh, before I could come out here.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: God had to heal me. I couldn't love money and do this. I couldn't be selfish and do this. He had to heal me, and that he did. And now it's for the people. Nothing is for Barbara, other than to please God. Yeah. And I thank him this morning. Yeah, no jealousy, no envy of other people, none of that. I thank God for it. Thank God for his love. Because in order to be his, we got to be like him. We got to have his DNA in us, which is love for God is love. Hallelujah. I love that scripture John. Uh-huh. First John chapter 4. I love all that down in there. And I hold on to many things. And some things you hear me say over and over again, because it means so much to me that God did this for us. I'm not the only one he did it for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so we're grateful unto him for shining his light on us. Uh, We're grateful for for him for reminding us about a beautiful message. The wolf is at the door to remind us. Morning prayers. That help us to keep our mind on him and in the direction we believe that pleases him. Prayers. Hallelujah. Because sometimes we have to get away from the family stuff. Cause all we want is for God to give. But when it comes to giving him, all we can give him is what's natural. And that won't please that will not please God. He's a spirit, so we have to give him spiritual things. God bless you this morning, Sister Irene. Good to see that number show up. i was going to hit you up afterwards and make sure you was all right. But I thank God for seeing the number today uh, in the studio. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, he's on our side in spite of us. And listen, uh, we're going to one more quick uh, morning request. And when we come back, the studio is open. If you have anything you would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in. And uh, if not, this morning we'll pray out and we pray the Lord. We'll get out very early and we pray the Lord bring us back Monday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Because I'll be gone tomorrow. i got to drive down and everything, so I won't be here tomorrow. But on Monday, we pray that the Lord bring us back. Hallelujah. So let's go to this one.
5: May nothing separate me from you today. Teach me how to choose only your way today so each step will lead me closer to you. Help me walk by the word and not my feelings. Help me to keep my heart pure and undivided. Protect me from my own careless thoughts, words, and actions. And keep Mm -hmm. me from being distracted by my wants, my desires, my thoughts on how things should be. Help me to embrace what comes my way as an opportunity rather than a personal inconvenience. And finally, help me to rest in the truth of Psalm 86:13. Great is your love toward me. You already see the ways I will fall short and mess up. But right now, I consciously tuck your whisper of absolute love for me into the deepest part of my heart. I recognize your love for me is not based on my performance. You love me, warts and all. That's amazing. But what's most amazing is that the Savior of the world would desire a few minutes with me this morning. Lord, help me to forever remember what a gift it is to sit with you like this. Amen. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. What a beautiful prayer. Quick and to the point. Yeah, nothing long and drawn out. And I thank God for Jesus' daily prayers and uh, Jesus' daily videos. I thank God for that. And uh, it has been a blessing unto me, yeah, to be able to have this each day. And uh, some days I'm going back over stuff like uh, today I want to play uh, her prayer, Lisa, tell uh, us, I think it's her name. I may be pronouncing it wrong, but I want to go back over her prayers, and uh, I want to go back over. Um, there's a, two more. I gotta find them, y'all, somewhere down in here. But I want to go back over. The, oh, a morning prayer, uh, a prayer for God to lead and guide daily. I love that one. And, uh, there, there's another one and I want to go back over these and meditate on them a little bit, you know, and all it's simply going to do is bless us. Look, I found something right quick. Let me see if I can find it again, y'all, cause y'all know I do stuff quick. Okay. I'm going to play this one. It's a testimony. Good morning, brother Anthony. God bless you. We're going to play this one. And, uh right quick and see if we can end the show with this
3: i started getting involved at that point more socially with people in school the community and that's when i got introduced to the og of the uh the gang i used to be a part of i believe that was at age 12. he was like hey you know your family told me that you're hungry i told him yeah he bring me groceries and then he'll invite me over to the hood and he says you know you can have family things will be moving and you will hear like like in the doors or, or or in the windows or scratches and i'll get scared right never experiencing things like that and they'll be like hey it's okay there are there are guardians they protect us and they will help you if you call on them but it comes with the price so what is it that you have to dedicate your life to them one of them took out a knife and he just took one shank Boom! And I felt like any other person that gets stabbed. If it was a sharp pain. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was paralyzed. I would hear like doors closing and opening, but yet no one ran to me. I knew I was gonna die. When I was three years old, my dad passed away. He uh, he was in the navy. He used to work in the boats, shipping back and forth between countries. He met my wife, my mom, in California, in Los Angeles, and she was a model at the time. And he was he worked in the ships. They had an encounter, shortly after, hello, I pop up, and um, about two years later, my dad developed skin cancer, and he had passed away. My mom was devastated. She was just broken, just torn apart. We moved out here shortly after I turned four years old in Tucson, Arizona, and just being brokenhearted, you know, not being able to move, move forward with our lives. You know, me as a child, you know, I have uh, sisters from my mom's side of the family. I was uh, maybe... Five, six, I believe, where they uh, turned 18 and just took off. They were done. They just were waiting for that moment. And it was my mom, myself, and I. And I remember growing up, really abusive home. In Mexico, we have these cintos, these belts, the vaquero cintos. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Metal buckle with metal stubs. Anything I did to trigger anything. I used to get that. Dishes thrown at me. I had a couple of dishes throw, uh, broken in my back. I remember it as, as crystal as day. Things like that because of her anger. So the spirit of anger, of defeat, of, of grieving, right? Not being able to move forward and, and not knowing Christ at that moment. She grew up Catholic. I went to a Catholic church twice. I just remember, you know, going and, and seeking God, you know, and, and for what I knew who was God and having no peace. Having no rest, you know, at home. And it came to a stage where my mom would party in and out. That was the only way that she found temporary relief. And we'll have parties every weekend. She would come home from work, 6, 7 p.m., 5, sometimes I'll get out of school. Back in the day when school used to get off at one fifteen p.m., you know, not 3.10. And then uh, third grade, key to the house. Second grade, key to the house. Walking home, I lived right in front of school. A crosswalk lady used to just, you know, watch her go inside the house and just wait for my mom. I remember my mom used to um, come home from work, and I eat once a day. I eat whatever's at school, and then she'll bring me a meal from the restaurant, which was her meal, so she wouldn't even eat, just so I can eat. And she would walk through the door and be just stumbling, drunk, throwing up everywhere, you know, at times. And um, sometimes, you know, I would say 50-50, she would walk through the door and um, just start yelling. You know, that you clean the house, that you mop, that you sweep, that you do the dishes, that you dirty, that you eat all the time, that you do your homework. Let me see your homework. One little thing I did wrong was a beating, big, severe beating. And um, at times she would just throw up. She would walk in, running inside the house, trying to go to the bathroom, and throw up all over me. I remember, I'd be like, hi, ma, you know, hola, ma, como te fue, you know, how you doing? How's your day? And running towards her, and then, you know, down my face, my hair. I remember just thinking, my mom is sick. You know, she's always so sick. I would take her to the bathroom. You know, she would be at the blackout stage already. Her, when your eyes are kind of like just fluttering, rolling back. And I'll clean her off the best I could. Take off her shirt, her pants, lay her down, cover her. You know, as a kid, right, six, seven, eight. Clean up the house, shower, and go back to watching Power Rangers or Batman in a dark house by myself. No friends, no family, nothing. Just myself. And I just most positive thing i can think you know oh she's sick i hope she gets better um it's okay you know i mean we're gonna go play sometime we're gonna hang out it happened occasionally when she was sober it's usually when she we were flatline broke broke and the restaurant wouldn't give her alcohol or nothing and i was grateful for those times and one thing that i that i noticed that led me to my addiction at eight years old that was an alcoholic at eight I used to see the beer bottles laying around, right, just laying around the counters, the table, botellas, de Jose Cuervo, Bacanora, which is Mexican moonshine, just everywhere. And to me, it was a norm, you know, the Word of God says to teach our children, you know, in the way they should go so they don't depart from it. But what was I learning? Drinking cigarettes. I started to pick up on that. It's normal. I'm thirsty. Instead of getting sink water, I'm going to get one of the beers. Like my mom does. It's, it's, it's a soda. It's like a Sprite. You know, we learn habits. Like that, I used to drink it. and I remember I did not like it. It make me burp all the time. It was disgusting. And I'll drink like the alcohol, and it'll burn my throat. And it would be like hurting and pain for a couple days. Or scratchy. I'll cough all the time. School thought I was sick all the time. And that's when I started experiencing getting drunk at eight years old. And to me, my mom never noticed really when the when the bottles were would be low because to her, oh, I must have drank a lot last night when the beers. Sometimes I'll get beat because she would notice certain things, you know, certain beers, laying around, because I would get drunk and I'll fall asleep. And I got sucked in deeper and deeper into addiction and alcohol. And I remember just feeling really sick, feeling like my skin was turning red until I started learning the side effects of alcoholism. and. The withdrawals and I started getting really angry all the time and and I don't know that I was so so depressed but I would cry for no reason my emotions would be fluctuating all over the place and I remember that I felt like something was yanking me from within my body my like like my soul was twisting and you know straining or, or, or just getting rid of the water from a towel and it was painful then I would slow down and I thought that if I smoked it would go away because every time my mom drank, she would smoke cigarettes. So i will go in the backyard. I'll get dried grass because it's Arizona. Our normal day is 104, right? And I'd crumble it or just get it and get a piece of paper from my notebook, and I would roll it up. I would roll it up, and I would even lick it, but it wouldn't stick. So tape it, and I would smoke it. So who knows, man? I got a farm I mean, I of grass, probably, you know, that I smoked, and, and thinking that it would help me, but it would make me sick. And I'll throw up and just feel nasty. And I'll go to sleep because that's what my mom does. And wake up feeling worse, go to school, and I love school. Shortly after that, you know, it was a continuous cycle. The parties got longer. I remember my mom tried to find um love in other men. And they would come to the house. I would be in my room sleeping or hanging out, and I would hear things. I would see things. There would be the women, you know, that would come to the parties. And the men that would, you know, utilize our rooms, you know, no explanation needed. With that being said, I see my mom as well. She had a relationship with this man, which they're really good friends now, and, you know, I mean, everything's straight. He would beat her. He would beat her, and I, I remember I would try to run to my mom, and I would grab her and, you know, turn around and try to, like, shelter her. You know, me at that point being, like, 10, 11, trying to fight back, but, you know, getting smacked and never oh, close-fisted punched, but I would get beat with her. And I remember uh, this one time where we were both, we both got smacked really hard, my mom went flying, hit her head, you know, bruised face. I got backhanded across the head this way, and we were both backs behind the wall. My mom was like, you know, curled up with me, you know what I mean? And and I'll be trying to like be brave for her, but I was afraid. And we were, we locked ourselves into this room, because we ran in there and he was banging on the door, Papa, abre la puerta, abre la puerta, vamos a morir todos, we're all going to die. Open the door. And my mom crying and, and me, leave, leave. But in Spanish, largate, vete, vete, déjanos en paz. And, and just crying and so afraid that I was going to die. I uh, legitly believed, being 9, 10 years old, that I was going to die uh, with my mom. And, and my mom's like, it's okay, polito, todo bien, you know, just he'll go away and eventually it will stop. And we would sleep there and I wouldn't go to school and my mom would make the brave effort, because we had two doors, to go out the side to see if he was there. Or sleeping in the couch at times. At times he would leave door open in the front door. And then we'll have a breather for a couple hours until he was sober up, and what happened? That was his first question. Many times um, he knew what happened. I started getting involved at that point more socially with people in school, the community. And that's when I got introduced to the OG of the, uh, the gang I used to be a part of, you know. And, um, I believe that was at age 12 that I started talking to this OG, which is the leader of this, of this gang, right? There was a nasty gang war. That was back in the times where gang members used to walk the streets red, blue, or brown back and forth in groups. And it's not for the street. It's for the business happening in the street. That's why thugs want to take over territory. They don't care about the streets or the houses. They care about the drug labs, the prostitution homes, the the bricks and the yayo and and the marijuana, all that stuff that was hiding in the houses because there were stash houses. And cops never knew about it. That's why gang members would take over neighborhoods. You know, and a lot of people didn't know that. They just thought it was about a color in the neighborhood. It wasn't. Having that said, I remember he came to my house once. He was like, hey, you know, your family told me that you're hungry. I told him, yeah. I'm very hungry. What do you eat? I remember our fridges used to be empty. There would be a gallon of milk here and there and bread and cheese, and it would just, just go bad. And I would go to the fridge. I wouldn't even ask my mom for food, being afraid that I was going to make her upset. I would pick the, the molded parts of the bread and put cheese and eat that. Or I will pick the wrong parts of the brick of cheese and just bite it. Sometimes we didn't have food, and I would just drink water and water, trying to get full and it was a temporary fool, but it only made me feel worse, like when you're so hungry. And I didn't know what to do And the cafeterias. Ladies will pack up like two extra lunches on the weekends because they knew that I didn't really eat over the weekend. And I didn't know about social workers and therapists and asking for help at that time. It was just, oh, this is normal, right? I didn't ask questions. I didn't stick around to see other kids, parents, or anything like that. I'll just go home. So with that being said, he'd bring me groceries. I thought he would do the first two, three visits. And then he'll invite me over to the hood. And he says, you know, you can have family. You can be family. You tell a kid like me at 12 years old, 13 years old, that I can be family, that I can say I love you and hear it back, I fell in love. And I remember going over there, excuse me, um, and feeling like I was home. I would feel like I had brothers sisters, you know, um, I would feel like I belong there. And that's all I wanted to do or ever wanted to be. And, and we would eat enchiladas and he would buy burgers, pizzas. And I'm like, man, man, we got money, you know, not knowing the truth, you know, that that lies beneath that. Right. And he won me over just like that. So having that said, that's all I wanted to be. After school, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to the hood and just stay there my mom sometimes don't even know that i was at home because she was coming stumbling go to sleep wake up and go to work i would get up by myself with an alarm clock get ready and go to school and come back come home and my mom you know trusted that i was doing that intense she would freak out not knowing where i was and i would come home and she'll go looking for me and you know and then she'll reach out you know to my tia or whoever else you know which which not blood just friends you know because of friendship when you came to tucson and they'll be like oh he's over here as I got older, I started being involved more within the gang, you know the gang affiliated members and I will see hood fights in the park there. I'll be a part of those hood fights where opposite gangs will meet up, no guns allowed. We're gonna fight this like men's right there'll be there'll be people with chains with baseball bats, and you know I would um see a lot of things backpacks going back and forth coming in and out of houses. As I as I go to school, or as the other uh, uh, other other thugs would, we know would go, or whatever, you know, transporting things, I, I would witness these things and and other stuff. And I thought that, all right, this is how you make a living as a grown adult, you know. And they would say, you know, what, you don't have to work, no, no full time job. You don't have to go to school. We make more money than doctors. We make more money. Yet it was all coming with a price. I just began to store all my riches here on Earth, money, and I made so much money to not see it now, and and drugs and alcohol, and I'll get homeless people to go and buy alcohol for me, and, and the other hood members as well, and they will come out and not give us our money back, so we will jump them, beat them to a pulp, and and take our money back and, and take their money, and just go to some abandoned complex and just just begin to get high, you know, begin to drink, but. At that moment, at school, I bumped into this one kid, right? We were playing some sport. I would lie if I told you what sport it was, but I know that we were out in the field. Come to find out, he was on my team. I talked to him, right? And he lived in my street. He was around my age. I was a year older than him. And he told me, hey, we should hang out. It's just me and my brothers. It would be cool since we lived together pretty much in the same street. So I started going to his house, right? I'll still go to the hood, but I started, like, making outside friends, too. Wow. other things were expected of me to take care of, responsibilities, right? And their family were, were devil worshipers. They were satanic members, which is devil worship, right? No other way to put it. No excuses. And I remember that they received me with such love, even more than the hood life, right? And And the dad was super nice and super sweet. Mom was, like, always catering to us, food, water. The structure there with their children was so beautiful. They spent time together with their kids. They would read together, not ordinary books though, right? The Satanic Bible and the Book of Fallen Angels, I guess they would call it. We'll talk, explain that in a moment. And they will sit. The the, the 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 dad would sit with their son, with with you know with my homie from from school and read with him with his arm on him. And I'm like, wow, things aren't even seen in the church nowadays, right? And he started getting me more involved, and it made me want to go even more, at least for the little bit after school until I got picked up to go back to my dad's house, the OG and all my brothers, which are the thugs. And, and then it started getting weird. Then I started spending the night over there just to hang out. We'll go to school together. Things will be moving, and you will hear like like in the doors or, or, or in the windows or scratches, and I'll get scared, right, never experiencing things like that. And they'll be like, hey, it's okay. There are, there are guardians. They protect us. Well, I got scared. Yeah, I know. They're letting us know that they're here. It's, you should be scared when they don't let us know when they're here. And um, okay, so next day, I told them, hey, what's up with these guardians? Well, they protect you, you know, from anything, you know, from from danger, from any, like, you know, any sadness, things like that, right? And I was like, who are they? These are angels in heaven, this is him talking. And, and the dad will come up and reinforce with scripture, which was satanic scripture. And he was saying, these are the angels that came down from heaven for us. Because God wouldn't do anything. God would just watch and let the downfall take us down and set its roots and just get worse for us. And next thing you know, we're destroyed from inside out and God will do nothing. And I'm like, man, God, the creator, I guess? And I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. He's supposed to be a good guy, you know, and he'll just keep going on with that, right? True colors. And so these angels came down because they had compassion for us, and they want to help us with their supernatural power and protect us and give us give us power to, like, raise more up, to send them out to protect others from God because and from other angels and things like that. So he was explaining that the angels are pretty much Jesus,
6: in a sense, coming down for us to save us. Now, Paul, was this the first time that you remember hearing about God?
3: It was. I remember going to a Catholic church um, because the only I, I, I went in twice. You know, the first time, you know, we almost get drowned by the by the, by the preacher, you know, in the baptism, you know, and then the second time was because my mom wanted it out of addiction. She didn't want to drink no more, and we would do the same old rituals, you know, you know, get on our knees, everybody repeat, you know, go looking for God rather than understanding that God's here looking for me, right? relationship other than that that's my first time hearing you know about demonic and i didn't know about jesus and nothing like that it was mediocito santo that's all i knew so what would someone my age or even you do if you didn't know god and you're going through beatings and, and depression and addiction and, and low self-esteem and you're told that you're worthless, right? You shouldn't have even been born and, and things like that, right? You know, you're a piece of trash and you're going to grow up to go to prison one day. And, you know, that's what, you know, uh, uh, my sisters from my mom's side told me once because the lifestyle I was living. You're going to go to prison. You're going to die in prison. That's who you're going to be. Just, just prophesied negative things over me, right? Glory to God that I'm here now. And, and, um, what would you do? If you heard that there's an angel, not knowing the truth, that came down from heaven that can protect you, I sought after it. And I told this man, I would like protection at my home because I get beat really bad. I don't have food to eat. I eat in the cafeteria. I beat up other little kids and take their food because I'm still hungry because they won't just give it to me. So if i mean to them, they'll give it to me and I just need help. And he said, I'm sorry you're going through that. Look it, son. First time someone called me, son sit down and then he put his arm around me and my buddies all the brothers are walking around right well he was four years younger than than the one I knew you know they wouldn't even bother me they were so okay with it and he would tell me this is a book with so many angels and they will help you if you call on them they will be there but it comes with a price what is it that you have to dedicate your life to them if they're helping you out of the goodness of their heart, why would you turn away from them? That's like not appreciating them, and they're angels, and you have to give something up. Like, what do you mean? Just bring me anything that you love. It can be whatever it is. So I'll bring my little Power Rangers. I remember the first Power Ranger episode. i bring it to them. The, the, my most treasured possession, it could have been a toy. It could have been whatever. They don't care. You just have to give whatever you love the most, and he exchanged it for that book, and he said, Read this page, read that page, read that page, five, six times until you feel peace. So I read this page and a half of this angel that protects against pain and anger and everything else that has that's affiliated with with what causes depression and fear. And in the end I had to recite this it was so wicked. Pretty much sounded to come up and come into my life that, like you do with Jesus. It was it was such a replicated image of the Bible. It was disgusting. I would read it, and my hairs would stand up. And you have to invite them into, the, into your heart, right? Open the door of your heart. He would always say that to everybody. Pretty much connect. He said that to your kids, you know, feel. And things got worse. You know, in my house, my radio, those old school Sony radios with the boom boxes and the knobs. Ooh, I love those. It will turn on into like a heavy metal radio station, KFMA and all this stuff, right? That plays like Slipknot and all this other satanic music. And my door will have scratches. So I'll recite more scripture, more, more satanic scripture and read more pages in regards to like protection against evil spirits. And soon after, I will see six super huge demonic figures. I can see the body outline like I can see you right now, but I couldn't see a face. I would have this paralysis over my body that I couldn't move. It was hard for me to breathe. I would like if something was like pushing in my chest, right, I would see the sides of my bed pressed down and and I'll close my eyes and I'll try to scream, Ama Ama but it was like if I couldn't speak fear and I'll let a squeal out or a scream out here comes my mom running, very upset, right, hung over. Why are you screaming and I started telling her about this, and I started. she started taking me to Catholic churches, and it'll get worse. I'll go to Christian churches, some that still stand now. They'll pray over me. Wouldn't go away. And I don't remember none of the message. I, it was like if I had earplugs on uh, when I was in church. I couldn't remember nothing. I can barely even hear nothing. I don't remember ever hearing about the name of Jesus, like if the demonic entities were, like, trying to hinder that, right? Mm. When a lot of people think that demons can't come into the church. Nothing worked. I went back and talked to him, and he said, well, this is bad. You know, it seems like you're under attack. We need to give a sacrifice. And they say that they did it weekly. So he says, come on the weekend, on a Saturday, I don't work, and I'll go over there. And the house was empty, and I'll go. And the dad opened the door. Oh, come in, son. I'm like, hey, thank you. We would walk to the backyard, and there was just, the satanic like a uh, uh, pentagon right pentagram and there was what one two three four five spots corners and he would sit down and and, and then my buddy and his brother were sit in the other corners and the other brother was nowhere nowhere to be found I, I never asked where he was or whatever so i'll be lying to you if i told you where he was he was like look it was perfect there's a place for you right there which is in the bottom two corners of the pentagram right and i would sit there and it was red It was gunky. It looked like blood, but really bright blood. But I can't tell you that it was blood because I didn't see them lay it out. But I'll tell you what, I'm almost positive it was blood. Sit down. So sit down and he will stand in the middle, say a bunch of stuff, satanic stuff. And then he will move to his corner, right, which was the top, like the tip of the star. Right at the top, which signifies the head of the sacrifice. Which I've never talked to him after, like a couple weeks after this happened. He gets, he goes inside, he gets a cat. And he says, you know, to be able to be blessed in this life, we must sacrifice life. He would get the cat. He got the cat. You know, the cat was friendly, super nice. He grabbed it by the top of the head. And I remember that he, he kind of did this, which was putting the head, the, the you know, the cat was like this. And he went like that, grabbing the arms like this pretty much and hands like here. And then he just snapped it. He would just thank the devil, he would call him God, uh, Lord, and he would thank him for this life that's going to inherit all of our wrongful doings and blah, 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 and all this other trash. And he stabbed it, like, upwards. I remember this. He got the can, he stabbed it upwards, just blood gushing out. And just like, you know, in many false religions, they sprinkle holy water on people, right? He was sprinkling that on his wife and on the boys. Like, he'll walk and he'll just do this and he'll just do that. And he'll do this, and he'll do that. He'll do this, and he'll do that. Then he got to me, and he says, Lord, this kid is suffering hunger, abuse. He's being tormented by the evil spirits that God is sending. Protect him. And I feel this warm, gunky, just, it was disgusting. You know, like, kind of like sensation coming from my head right in the center, dripping down my neck. It didn't come up my my front. Dripping down, and and he was like squeezing the life out of this cat, you know, pretty much the blood out of this cat into me. I just felt like it was so wrong. And taking account that I was reading this Satanic Bible, I was with them and being coached and discipled because they make disciples like they take no breaks. And I was being discipled by this man and everything was okay. I was completely receptive to it all. But this one thing was like, this is wrong. It was hard to breathe, and I don't know if you ever felt that when something goes wrong, it's you're like, <gasps> like I'm, I'm leaving, you know? And I stayed there, and we finished it. He drank a little bit of the blood, you know, and um, I was just shocked, you know? And it was over. I got up. I went to go shower in his house. He gave me another outfit. He kept my outfit. He washed it, returned the next day. I didn't want to go back over there. I knew that it was wrong. What happened? Because if this is really a good God, and you know, which is the devil, and the angels are here to protect me, why would you kill this cat? Not knowing, right, a lot of uh, uh, of the meaning of it and what they were replicating, you know, because the Bible says that the devil's an imitator, right? And then that's when things got nasty. I started getting bruises in my body. My back would burn really bad, and I have scratches. I cried to my mom for help and that's where she slowed down a little bit in drinking, still being an alcoholic because she would, she would see me, right? Really like suffering and afraid and I had no answer. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what to do. And back in the hood, the, the, the OG, right? We're just talking about the Santa Muerte. If you're worshiping the wrong God. You know that's that's satanic. But hey, you know if it if it helps you and something worth it too. And all these false gods are being thrown at my face. And I was looking for an answer my whole life to never really understand how I can come to a point to understand that there's a way out, like the Bible says. I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't talked about love or God. I never had kisses. I never had hugs. I'll get beat so hard I will take they'll be taken to Mexico because there's bruises, uh, bad bruises, and I will stay in Mexico. That's what my mom would tell, you know, my sisters you know, from my, my mom's side. And in the school that I was over there for vacation because blah, 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 little did they know I was all bruised up. I came back to the United States to be silent. Mexican traditional family, no? Te quedas la boca callada, you keep your mouth shut, you don't say nothing. This is family. Everyone has issues. You go to school. You come back home. You do your chores. You do your homework. You mop. You sweep. You do your bed. You do my bed. You massage my feet when my feet and my legs hurt. You do what you're told. Or you're a bad kid. And bad kids go to hell. So I knew
6: about hell. But not heaven. Not God. Now, Paul, talk to me about uh, when Jesus came and met you and when you started to get Mm -hmm. to know who he was and how he took you out of all of these gods, you know? My mom reached out to a church of a youth pastor, and he would go to my house
3: and pick me up. I'll be drunk, I'll be high, and he'll take me. Never once did he accuse me or or condemn me. He just took me as I was. And that's when I started hearing about Jesus, you know, 15-ish, 16-ish. I told him that I was pushing a lot of things. I shouldn't have, enslaving people to addiction and a lot of gang-affiliated crime and, and things, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, that, that I do not want to be a part of. And he said, well, we're going to pray. I'll pick you up. And it starts to disappear from the church, not going to youth groups. And he found out, I don't know, he must have been a super investigator or something. Because one day he showed up at the OG's house, at the, in the hood, you know, at my dad's house. Asking for me. And then the homies, all the thugs will come up and be like, what do you want? You know, he's with us, homie. And, and things like that. And, and they'll be like, Hey, this guy's asking for you. He'd be like, Hey, God bless you. I'm just here taking him to church. You don't want to go to church, homie. You want to die. It's okay. He comes for me. Now, even though I was really rebellious and stuck in the criminal life, I was obedient and submissive to my elders. Right. And uh, that's one thing my mom taught me, you know, you respect your elders it's okay, he's here for me, my mom sent him, or something. And I would go and get in the car, he'd be like, what are you thinking, hanging out with those guys, you know what you're doing is wrong, yeah, well, at least I have family, that's my dad, those are my brothers, no, they're not, and just telling me things, right, the whole way to church would be like, look, I just love you, and I want you to live, to have kids, and be married, and be a man of God, and was like, whatever. Let's go to church. You wanted me to come, didn't you? I'll go. I got my fair share of warnings through God's messenger, right? This youth pastor, and we were have barbecues at his house, you know, youth little sessions at his house, and I just didn't want nothing to do with it because God wants to see me suffer because I'm weak. He doesn't help me, as I was taught by the same worshippers, the satanic members, right? I just kept going with the gang life. At 16, I had my daughter. I had my daughter and having this girl, this little, my little princess, my oldest, right? Out of all my seven parson kids, right, looking at her, I remember. I saw the picture of the first time I held her and I looked at her. It just made me fall in love. And I said, I can't live this life no more. I remember that, um I looked at her and a lot of like the experience that the women in the hood, right, in the gang would, 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 would have with the men, I would think of my daughter. Like 18, 20, 19 years old. And I would say, no, no, I do not want that to be my baby girl, and and I didn't want nothing to do with that. So I told the OG, I was like, I, I can't do this no more. You know, I appreciate you, familia. I love you, but I can't do this no more. He says, you know, carnal, that the only way to get out of here is a casket. When we beat you to a pulp, you were explained that. You're family now. You're going to quit on us? And I was like, no, I just... I want to have that 8 to 5 you said that we don't have to do. I want to go eat like all these all these people do outside, sit outside, drink coffee, whatever. You know, like, you don't even like coffee, homie. It's like, I know, but look at them. They're not looking over their shoulders. They, 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 they ain't carrying a strap trying to, trying to see who, who's going to shoot them, so they got to shoot back. They're smiling. People look at them, and they wave. I told them, people look at me, Abba. And they're disgusted, like if I'm some piece of trash little thug. And I am, I told them. I'm a piece of trash. I want to be the dad that this girl needs, because I never had a dad. Well, what am I? And it was just an argument, right? And I was like, look, please, I just want to go. I want to work. He said, no. So I just kind of shut my mouth, didn't argue much with them. Okay. My daughter wasn't with me at that time. Te veo mañana, te veo mañana. I'll see you tomorrow. And I went and gave all the homies a hug. That was my mistake. That I love you. And, and as I walked out the door, he was looking at me, right? I didn't leave so nonchalant. It was pretty much a goodbye. But I was young and dumb. And he was like, hey, no te acuerdas quien te dio de comer? No se te olvide. He was like, don't you remember who gave you something to eat? Don't forget it. This is familia. And I was like, no, papa. Si me acuerdo. And I'm very grateful. I wish I could pay you really, like, everything back. You still can. You got debt? And that's when I found out that that was not love. He was raising a soldier. I left. I got into my 88 Cutlass Oldsmobile, Sierra, right? And they came out. They got in their car. Oh, they're probably going to go to the store. I drove out of the hood. They come after, you know, drive behind me. Now, we're all going the same way to get to the freeway. But I made a left turn in another area that goes by a school, right? It goes all the way around the school, and then I have to come back this way just to see. There they go. And I knew what was going to happen. I stepped on the gas, and I was panicking. I knew there was two lieutenants coming after me, which is what we call the enforcers. I had a similar role. I was like a jack of our trades, right? Because I was a young one, so they utilized me for a lot because no one would suspect. And the enforcers, you see one of them. They're either going to collect, they're going to kill you, or they're going to beat you to a pulp with a warning. I knew I was going to die. So I hit it. And I was just panicking, you know, and, and, and I drove neighborhood, in the neighborhood street after street trying to lose them, and I hit a cul-de-sac, <clears throat> you know, a dead end. They kind of come, Arr! I was like coming, turning to turn, and they come, Arr! I jump out of the car. When I jump out of the car, I start running, they start running, and they, they, they pretty much, they flank me. And I was like, look, I just want to live. I just want to be a dad. I just want to love my daughter. I just, I want to, I want to give what I never had to my child. Sorry, carnal, pero we got to do what we got to do, homie. We need every single soldier. We're family. We don't leave each other for dead. I took a beating. One of them took out a knife. I got stabbed here in between the ribs. Glory to God. In my lungs, nothing in touch. It was, it was a stiletto, right? You seen the stilettos, right? And he just, like, come on, let's go. Do it. You know, too many people here. And he just took one shank, boom, and I felt like any other person that gets stabbed, if it was a sharp pain, I couldn't breathe, I felt like I was paralyzed, um, every single movement hurt. And the cartilage in between the ribs, I believe, and in the, in the meat, it lodged in between them, in between there. And in that area, you know, when we carry knives, we carry knives that either had like, you know, the holes in the center, or the grooves, so it can just be like butter, in and out. But the stilettos are not like that. So it got stuck in there. He was like, let's go. And I remember I was screaming, fighting, trying to, you know, but I could barely move and it was excruciating and it came to a point where he just put his foot on my rib and yanked it out. Ran. Jumped in the in the car, took off, and I was laying there. I was trying to get up and I couldn't. I would hear like doors closing and opening, but yet no one ran to me. They were afraid. I laid there and I was bleeding. I was bleeding out. And it's real talk how people say when you die, it's like a, a black, dark hole, and then life, and that's it. Like the Looney Tunes, remember back in the old days? The hole, uh, you know, all dark? That's exactly how it went down. And I remember laying there, and I was like, just laying there trying to get up, and I couldn't. I felt like I was going to pass out, like the life was being sucked out of my body, and, and I was already laying there looking, at, you know, to the sky and to the heavens, and I was like, God, if you really are good, if you really care about me, if you love me, please save my life. I want to be the father my daughter never had. And if you do this, I will live for you. I woke up in the ED, right, in the hospital, and they go and they run. They, you know, they knock on the doctor's office door, and you know he's awake, and he comes back, and the doctor's like running, and he goes, Paul. He goes, yes. And he goes, we don't understand how you just woke up. You lost so much blood that you should not be breathing right now. You should be dead. When you came here, you lost so much blood that your heart should not have been able to function. Your brain, you should have been, you should have been a vegetable. Long story short, glory to God. I, I, I left uh, the hospital and I started living for God. I started trying to find an answer. I went to a Catholic church, a couple of churches and found no peace. So I ended up going back to that church that I remember because it's still there. I remember the street when I was a kid that the pastor used to come and pretty much yank me out of the, out of the trap houses. It was a Christian. I remember what the denomination. I think it was a Baptist church. And I started hearing about Jesus. And then later on, I got a good job at a store before it was cricket. It was called Jabber Jab Mobile, right? I started selling phones and that's when I started to have structure. And I would miss church. I would not go for a little bit. You know, I'll just be the, the typical bench warmer, right? I'll go and sit down and listen, the spectator. Go when things go wrong. Do what I want to do and just repent Sunday because God's a God of love, not knowing that we cannot mock God in their lifestyle. And my daughter starting to like learn and listen and talk and I was proud of myself and I remember, uh, that I went to the Tucson Mall to this store called Hollister. I used to shave my head bald plain white tee, whatever, pro club with my Dickies and my Cortez, right? That was my my, my style, I just shit in my head. And I walked in there, and I told this girl that was walking around, you know, I want to look like that, homie, right there. she look at that, and she'll look at me, and she look at the, you know, the preppy boy up there, and she look at me, like him? I'm like, yeah, okay. And I was like the Ken to the Barbie. She'll have outfits for me and take me to the dressing room, and, man, I never had a tighter wedgie than those times, and... And I was like, "Is this normal, right?" And and she's like, "Yeah, this is how they dress." And I was like, "Am I gonna get a discount? Why? Because these pants are ripped, bro?" And they're like, "No, that's the style." And and I remember that I walked out and how you know with my daughter. And I remember this man with his family walking by, and he smiled at me and he did this. And I was like this. And then I learned from him. This means like hi or hi. This is more like intimidating. So I started doing this instead. And I did this. And instead of being like, what are you looking at, homie? What, you, you want a picture? And just getting aggressive, I just, this is what I asked for. And things started coming into place. Things started happening, and the Lord started to reveal his way and his love and his mercy. And he took me through uh, a You Are Worthy boot camp, right? Because the first thing when I started knowing about God is remembering that I'm so unworthy to even sit in this church. So God taught me self-worth and respect, and and that's literally the deal I made with God. And I'm so happy that God's a man of his word. He's, he's a man's man. He's a man of his word, and now I'm here.
6: What happened with the gang, right? Because uh, you're in this situation where, I mean, the way that you leave is in a casket, and they tried to kill you, but you lived. What happened with them? So in the 2000s in this gang war, murder, bodies found down South
3: 6, it was all over the news, and there was a war between the Bloods and the Cribs, so the OG died. He was murdered. The whole honor system of we're going to scrap this in the park, you know, we're gonna, if you die, you die. If you get injured, you're injured. If we win, we win. It was done. It was nothing but. Instead of walking the streets with chains, baseball bats, and brass knuckles, it was just a forty-five, a Glock. The guns started coming into play so much. The lieutenants, most of the gang died. That was my ticket out. Cause I was in the run after, you know, I got a the hospital. They knew I didn't die and cause someone has seen me and, so, and then the, the rival gang members had seen me and, but they were too busy trying not to die themselves, protecting the families. I don't know what happened with any of the family or anything like that. The lieutenants died. There's a couple in prison for life, I believe, but I bumped into one. I had to swap me, which is an outdoors people sell their belongings that they don't want in a tent and you just walk outdoors back and forth and we looked at each other. And I came up to him. He goes, look it, look it. I'm done. I got kids. I'm done. And I was like, no, me too. And I was fresh into the Lord. You know what I mean? That's, I was like 20 something and uh, like, like 21, 22. I got fully stayed at 20, free indeed at 21. I became obedient to the word in my lifestyle. And I was like, me too. He goes, you too? Said, yeah, I'm done. Like a breather. I got a good son just thinking about that moment. So I was like, me too. He goes, okay. What you been up to, carnal? And I was like, well, I'm a man of God now. I got saved by Jesus. Oh, Jesus, huh? Yeah, you should go to church. Uh, it's not my thing, but I'm a good person still, so, you know, I'll see you in heaven. And at that point, I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I believed it because I didn't know that it's not by our works, right? It's through our faith, right, our commitment, our loyalty to God. I look at him and I go, give me your number. He goes, look at us, eh? I think it's better if we just go our separate way. You know, right. And we went our separate ways and never seen him again. I don't even remember his name, to be truthfully honest with you. I don't know where he went. I don't remember his face. It was just a complete, like, complete erased moment of my youth with this man. He was more younger to the, to the, to the, to the gang than anything. I was able to get away because no one, I was a grunt. No one remembers you. No one knows your name. You're just, you're just a punk running around, whatever the grunt work so I didn't have to report to the lieutenants up in the other side or anything I, that was my ticket when I heard they all died and things I started coming out more going to the me more going to the movies more things like that and didn't have to carry my Ruger right my 45 and all the time and things like that I was more at peace because he kind of told me he was the one that told me what happened that this dude died that dude died he's locked up for life for murder he's this and he's that and, and that's what happened to the gang yeah It was in Bloods. It was in Cribs. But I can reassure you just by looking at me right now, you can probably take a guess.
6: Yeah. Now, Paul, how long have you been walking faithfully with Jesus now?
3: When I made my deal with the Lord, you know, when I just had turned 19-ish, you know, after, you know, 18, right? Yeah, 18, 18 18-ish, you know, 19-ish. I was just the same old man, a Christian, that makes promises when he's scared. Forget about it later. When I was in 20, 21, 20... That's when I became free indeed. That's not just when, you know, when I honored John eight thirty six right. You know, he was son such sort of free is free indeed. But I started living it by reinforcing it with James one twenty two, which says to not merely be a hearer of the word but a doer yet deceiving yourself. That's when I started. I backslid twenty seven twenty eight. It's been. I'm thirty five though. You know, I'm already growing white hairs and my memory is going with it. I would say if I had to say faithfully as of now without stumbling, a couple years, yeah, years. Years, years, but knowing God and living with God, give or take, 13.
6: Amen. Can you, just in a nutshell, you know, what has Jesus done in your life? You went through a lot. You know, you got involved in witchcraft, you know, almost unintentionally. You know, it was introduced to you. So a lot of uh, traumatic things in your life, a lot of things that would leave people either in jail um, or dead, right? And um, um, you're able to be here alive, testify. Yeah. That Jesus saved you But if you could kind of give it
0: Hallelujah Hallelujah! What an excellent testimony Oh God did great things for him So look we thank God this morning For every testimony Where he has brought people out Because like this young man He could have died easily In that life he was living But God He said he made a deal with God (laughs) But the Lord already knew Yeah, he knows the very intent of our hearts today. So we pray for our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and uh, we pray for our family members, yeah, that God will cover them and keep them safe in the name of Jesus. So look, I'm going to pray us out this morning, and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, I mean Monday morning, Monday morning. 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. And hey, y'all pray for us tomorrow, uh, going to do Louis' service and pray for his family, uh, his grand, his son, Stephen. He need the prayers. Sherry need the prayers. Kim and Mr. Mason, they need the prayers. And uh, Sherry's daughter, they need the prayers. So we're going to do what we can and support the family. Y'all keep us lifted up. So we're going to pray out this morning. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you know what's best for us. We thank you that you supply need. And Father, we ask today that you would help us to accept what you supply for us because it's what we need. It may not be what we want, Father, but it is what we need. We give you glory. We give you the honor and praise. And Father, bless every household represented here today, every family member, near and far, moved by your spirit this day to bless your people. Lord, those that stand in the need of dire finances, we ask that you would move on their behalf today. Father, we can't tell you how, because you know what's best. We ask that you would do it for them in the name of Jesus. We thank you, we thank you, and help us all to just do it. Just do what's right before you. just, Just make you the God of our lives and first in our lives. We thank more of you than we do ourselves. Help us, Lord, to continue to let this flesh die so that you can live. And, God, that you would be glorified in the name of Jesus. Bless our going out today. Father, bless our coming in. Meet the need again in our lives according to your riches and glory by your Son, Christ Jesus. We ask it again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee. While we're absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace, share the good news of Jesus, and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, February the 15th, 2024, in Jesus' name. And listen, I'm going to post uh, the quiz questions on Monday. I mean, on Sunday, Sunday, early Sunday morning, if possible. And that way you have your quiz questions out there and you can answer them. And uh, again, my birthday celebration is February 24th at 3 p.m. at 2979 Spencer Street, Jacksonville, Florida, two zero three two two zero five, Yeah. And so it's over at Divine Truth and Deliverance uh, Center. And if you plan on going and we're Facebook friends, if you would let me know, that would greatly help me because I'm trying to make sure I got a count, if I can get a count uh, for that day. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. We thank God. That he's able to see us through all the way through the weekend and bring us back the first part of next week, if it be his will. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye. We're going to the last song of the morning. And after this, I won't be coming back. God bless you.
2: Now, the man I'm about to introduce is a rare talent. He not only sings, he sings fine gospel, but he's a fantastic writer. His composition of my tribute can be found in many of our modern-day hymnals. He's a Grammy Award winner four times over, a dynamic performer. Ladies and gentlemen, my special guest are Andre Crouch. I'm so glad for the very promise of the Lord. And whether you believe it or not, we can really say a song that I
3: put together some time ago. But it says, soon and very soon, we're going to see
2: the king. If you feel like clapping your hands, do so. It's okay.